2: NJ Events Media, welcome back to the Rutgers Rant, as always, joined by Keith Sargent, James Cratch. We're 1-0, a 1-0 podcast, the first time we've had that since this time last year, guys. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about the victory over UMass, and I've just been trying to decide if it raised my expectations for this season. Uh and I think the answer to that for me, at least is yes and no. Uh, no, I'm not ready to go over three and nine, which was my prediction, but yes, in that, you know, those games last year, like Maryland and Illinois and Buffalo, you know, uh, where, where the team was just blown out of the water by, by mediocre opponents. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think I saw enough, especially on offense to make me think that this team will be competitive in games that our toss ups. Uh, so if that's the case, then, you know, you can look at three and nine as kind of where I'm still at, but it's possible that they'll, they'll grab a couple more. I mean, uh, what did you guys think? Did, did, did what, happened, uh, what happened, what happened on Friday night change your opinion, Crutch?
0: No, not really. Because one, after watching the game um, over the weekend, UMass is really not very good. Yeah. And two, I mean, and I, look, I understand fans are very excited about McLean Carter, and he did a lot of things to be excited about, and I understand why there's a buzz, and, you know, it, as McNulty said today, uh, they did things on offense that they just didn't do last year, uh, in this first game with him. That being said, he still threw three interceptions, and all, like, everyone has run around coming away with excuses for those three picks. If Art had thrown them, people would have been flipping out. So... <laughs> You know, I just think at this point, like, they still turned the ball over three times. They looked a lot better doing it, but the stat line was, with the exception of the yards, was basically the same as it was last year in the opener when they beat Texas State. Um, I think they were more impressive at winning this game than they were winning the Texas State game, but I just looked at the game, and I just think there's so many things that we really haven't seen yet that we're going to see in Iowa, and that's where the true yeah. test yeah. is.
2: How about you, sorry? Did it change anything um, for you?
0: Well,
1: I mean, if it was, I, I, I'd have them in a bowl game, because if you remember, I went seven, 5-7 uh, and seven last week. Do I think they're a bowl team?
2: We do. We, we're not going to forget that. Don't <laughs> do, worry. Do I think
1: they're a bowl <laughs> team? I don't. I haven't seen enough yet. I will say this. It kind of, just looking at the Big Ten results and watching Minnesota really struggle to put away South Dakota State, Um Kind of uh, just to emphasize my point again, October is, you know, a bunch of winnable games, you know. And, again, we're going to have to look at, you know, how they play against Iowa. We'll talk about that later. But I, I just think that, you know, the big there's some winnable games on this schedule that that, that um, looking at, at this uh, first week, you're right. I think that they were able to, uh, you know, show that they were able to pull away against, uh, you know, against UMass. I think that they're going to be able to be able to win some games in October.
2: Right, right. Well, we'll dive in, and we, you know, we've talked a lot about what McLean Carter has been able to do, and you know, I think just from strict standpoint of running the offense, uh, he seemed to be in command of it. He seemed to, you know, go through his reads well. He, he, you know, he threw a lot of great balls, and you know, looking at some of the, we talked a great deal about Bo Melton finally having his big game. A couple of those passes, especially the touchdown pass to Bo Melton. I mean, he was well covered. It it was a perfectly placed ball to get to him. Looking looking back at the film, uh, what did what did McNulty say about uh, about Carter today? And are there any new insights that you can see about what he did well and where he's got to improve? Crouch, you go ahead.
0: I think he just basically you know said what we've been kind of saying that he feels that the football IQ is there, commands of the huddle. You know, he sort of. Took credit for at least two of the picks. You know, he said that. You know, he thought that. You know, he made a couple, Could have made better play calls on on the, the first one and the last one. I guess the middle one. You know, maybe Isaiah Washington. You're trying to let a freshman go make a play. He probably has to fight back to the ball a little bit more. Um, I think everyone was very happy and kind of impressed with the way that Carter kind of stabilized the team after they were down fourteen nothing early and then twenty one seven. Um, I also think it became kind of clear that. That fan appreciation day practice was sort of the turning point in the whole quarterback battle. And, you know, he was asked how close was the competition, and John really didn't answer it. So I tend to think that the competition, the quarterback competition between Sikowski and Carter maybe looked more competitive to us in the limited view we got than maybe it was internally. Right. Yeah, um, I just want to make one point too. Cratch uh, kind of
1: alluded uh, to it with the open practice that that uh, first scrimmage, w- where it was basically uh McLean Carter's coming out party. That play to Isaiah Washington. Correct me if I'm wrong, James. It was basically the same t- uh play. It might have been the same exact play that McLean Carter hit yeah. on in that in that scrimmage where he had like I think it was like a 50 yard yes. touchdown pass Isaiah Washington streaking down the right sideline. That was pretty much. The play that really, I, I think everyone o- opened up everyone's eyes, which is kind of interesting. Um, the difference is, you know, uh, he got pressure. I think it came off the right side of the, of the, of the line and, uh, he just didn't have as much time to, to hit that play. Um, what, what I found yeah. interesting, uh, you know, is, Chris Ash during his press conference said, "You know, he called it a great game plan, and and I think he's right. Um, the, the fact that 21 touches a piece for Isaiah Pacheco and Raheem Blackshear, obviously the two most talented offensive players on you know, on on the team, you know that that's a good number, 21 a piece. Uh, Bo Melton, getting him involved, getting him off to Schneider so to speak, uh, getting McLean Carter comfortable. Really good game plan. But uh, Chris Ash said there's more. Um, you know." There's more in the game plan. There's more in the offensive scheme that they left out, which is always a good thing, especially when you score 48 points. Mm-hmm.
2: I will say this though, guys, and I, you know, I don't think Artzakowski had a game last year where he he had the protection that McClain Carter had against uh, UMass, and I, I you know, I, part of that's got to be the fact that UMass, as we've noted many times, isn't uh, isn't a good team, and certainly wasn't good up front. Uh, but Cratch, you looked at it, you know, the the offensive line play. Was the line better than you expected, or is this just you know pushing around a smaller team and it's going to be exposed this week when Iowa? When I was there?
0: look, they were better than I expected from what I saw in the preseason. That being said, I didn't think UMass was terribly strong up front. Um, I think Texas State had a lot better athletes and, and kind of in their front seven a year ago than UMass did. Um, UMass did bring some stunts and some pressure, but you know watching the game, a lot of times they would. Uh, you know, Carter would complete a big pass, and then they would show the replay, and, like, Sean O'Hara who was doing the a- analysis for BTN would be like, well, a three-man rush is coming, you know, or a four-man rush is coming. There was a lot of times of those big plays, you know, I can't name any specific off the top of my head, where they were rushing three or four. They were keeping guys in coverage, so the offensive line was not really having to do much more than put a hat on a hat.
1: Right. right. That's
0: going to change with Iowa, especially when you got A.J. Ipanessa, one of the best players in the country, Well, you're going to have to double or triple team every play.
2: Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't do these five, six, seven drop, step drops, you know, like, I mean, a lot of those plays were really slow developing. I was kind of surprised. I thought they'd be a much quicker passing offense. And, you know, so yeah, that's going to have to change. Sarge, I imagine that, you know, we're going to find, we're going to see really what. Uh, McLean Carter has when he's facing a pass rush, when he's on the run, when it's not as easy as just standing back there, and that—that's going to be for me the true test of what—what—what he's—yeah, what
1: he's I about agree. The—the the one play that really stuck, uh, and I saw in the uh, film review that that crash. I mean, the 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 pulse uh, award-winning. <laughs>
2: it took us eight minutes to get to but, the. <laughs> to get I mean, I, we
1: joke. I mean, he does a masterful job. I'm being totally serious. Like with, with the way he, it will add a gift to it and, you know, for perspective. The one play that really stood out to me, we kind of talked about it a little bit post game, was that play to Bo Melton on a fourth and two on that first drive, and the play that the Carter made was, you know, he was so poised in the pocket, he backed up a couple steps to, to buy himself some time because there was. Um, there was pressure coming off the right side. He backed up. It was so poised. He made a great throw in into in traffic. That was the type of play that you just we haven't seen a Rutgers quarterback make maybe since Gary Nova's senior year.
2: He had a lot of time too. A lot. I, of, think I know some made, of yeah, his I own games. Uh, if you but, look yeah. back
1: yeah. at it, I think he made that time because there was some pressure coming off that right side.
2: Right. All right. Let's go to the defense. You know, I, I didn't notice this in real time, but it did, you know, again, in the film review, a great point that Cratch made. It looked like the linebackers were exposed in the passing game. Uh, that's been a problem in the past. I thought it was supposed to be, if not cured, uh, certainly better, uh, better talent at, at that position. Uh, Kratch, what did you see? And, uh, how concerned are you about that aspect of, the, of this team?
0: I mean, I think you have to be concerned just because the, the guys are who they are. You know, yeah. I think we can sit here and we can debate the merits or the lack thereof of Ellen Loomer and Tyreek Maddox-Williams and CJ Aniechi being out in coverage, but that's the scheme. It's not changing. Ash had a, hired a new defensive coordinator, could have changed. It didn't hire a guy basically to run his defense. And I think that you saw UMass pick on them early on, short side of the field, kind of quick passes into the flat. And then the first touchdown, you know, Maddox Williams just kind of got lost in space and the tight end went right down the seam, wide open for a touchdown, safety help, can never get over there in time. So I think that that's something that, Big Ten teams. I'm sure Iowa is going to look to exploit this week, especially yeah. a school, a program like Iowa that you know they've got some new tight ends. Obviously, they two guys go in the NFL in the first round, but they're, they live and die by their tight ends. They produce tight ends. Nate Stanley is a very accomplished quarterback. I would assume you're going to see teams try to exploit that and get those matchups. Look, Rutgers does it too. I mean, they want to get Blackshear on linebackers. That's that's a good matchup for them. But I just think that was something that stood out to me that you know UMass. They were really limited. I mean, Rutgers had a decisive physical and athletic advantage over UMass. Right. You, but UMass was able to kind of cobble it all together for a quarter because Walt Bell called it was gutsy with this play calling. They went for it, and they kind of exploited those Rutgers' weaknesses. Now you're going to see a team that's a massive step up in competition, and they're going to be able to take what UMass did and copycat it.
2: Right, but and I, you know, I will say this, I and mean, I know there's a lot of speculation about the defense and whether uh, or not Chris Ash took over uh, the play calling. He denied that to your direct question at the press conference. Uh, you know what I do find interesting, Sarge, and, and they were really, I mean, the the defensive backs were laying five, six yards off early on, and then got back to what Chris Ash likes to do, which has have the you know have the DBs pressing, have them closer closer to the receivers at the line. That was a noticeable change. That was really when the game shifted back to in and you know the defense started to dominate what happened there and you know what you know what's going to happen when they have a t- against a team with you know, uh, with talented receivers and with a lot of receivers. Is it going to be a different philosophy, you think, than, than yeah, what we Yeah, two things about him? that.
1: I think you're right. It was a great uh, observation uh, that they did really uh, – they, they, they gave him way too much space. And then you saw that Damon Hayes in particular uh, uh, was yep. right up on, on under guy. He really shut down over the final three quarters. He was flawless. Um, it was almost like the Daryl Re- Revis type of thing where, you know, he's quiet and you don't hear from him. And that's a good thing because they're not going to throw it to that side. Um but it's kind of what we talked about. I think that their Rutgers is really good with the, the, the top two corners and uh, Avery Young and, and Damon Hayes. And then beyond that, there's question marks. I know Trey Avery made a great play, a great interception on that play, but he's still kind of improving. You know, and wh- wh- where that could come and bite him is, like Crash said, you know, tight ends going up in space and slant routes and you know, plays over the middle. Uh, until those cornerbacks, those nickel and dime cornerbacks, are, are able to prove themselves, it's going to be a weakness.
2: Right, right. We didn't we didn't see a lot of that, and we will see it soon. All right, let's dive into true and false. True or false? All right. Last week you broke the cardinal rule. Let's answer true or false, and we'll get to the get to the end, and we'll cover it all. Uh, Lots of topics here this week because we you know we finally saw this team against another opponent, so we've got a lot of fun things to cover. Let's start here. True or false? Art Sikowski is going to red shirt. False. False. True. Sarge. All right, true or false, Artikowski is going to transfer. scratch so, what do you got? False. false. False, all right. Sorry, false. You're going to stick with it. Uh, true or false, this is still Chris Ash's defense, no matter who is calling the plays. True or false?
1: True. True.
2: True. Double true. All right, true or false, Rutgers is in big trouble against teams that use five, four to five receiver spread sets. True or False. True. True. <clears throat> true or false, Johnny Langan will be the first quarterback off the bench if Carter struggles.
1: False. False.
2: False. True or false, the best player on defense against UMass was Tyshawn Fogg, the linebacker. True or false? True. True. Double true. Okay, it was interesting Who <laughs> you'd say would be the next guy. Uh, true or false, the interior defensive line is still a glaring liability, and Iowa will
1: expose it, true or false? Big true. Yeah, big true. True. Big true.
2: True or false, the Big Ten is better than the SEC.
1: (laughs) False. Big false.
2: (laughs) Big false. Uh, And finally, true or false, the new victory statue is all kinds of awesome.
1: True. Uh, All right. True. And let me just TV uh break the cardinal rule for one second. There's a photo on Twitter on Ron Garudi's on, on Ron Garuti's uh, Twitter feed of the, the statue um with the fireworks in the background. It is Right. Beautiful. It's yeah. something that I it I kind of awesome. wanted it's to cool. actually say for my myself. It is fans have to check it out. It is really the, the answer is a overwhelming true. That is kind of awesome.
2: this is what Francis Scott Key saw when he wrote the Star cycle Banner. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's great. It really is a great photo, and yeah, and uh, it was great to see. We'll talk a lot about. It. But it was a really lot, there were a lot of off the field fun things going around the stadium. The, and you know the uh, unveiling the statue was one of them. Ron Garuti, obviously Rutgers fans. If you don't know who he is, you're, you're probably haven't been around a lot. Uh, great guy, and he uh, you know he said a lot of uh, positive. His words during his speech were, I think, really well received about where the state of the program is and what he hopes the statue will do, which will be inspire people. But it was a, uh, it certainly is an impressive, uh, an impressive. And I was skeptical, as we discussed. I'm like, why are they spending money on the statue? but uh, you know i mean it's it's going to be an asset so I'm, I'm glad they did that all right so let's look at the other stuff we have here you guys think you both think that uh art's going to stick it out and he and sorry do you think he will win it
1: i do um i i think yeah. McLean carter i just was so impressed by by his performance i know the interceptions are are, are something to monitor but yeah I, I think he was so poised it was one of the best, best quarterback uh performances i've seen you know certainly in the last 5 years
0: all right now, Crouch,
2: you you had an interesting in, in the film where you about the interior defensive line. You thought that uh, you know they might have played better than than maybe expected at nose. Uh, I mean, what what did you see there, and what uh, what makes you still think it's a, it's a yeah. liability?
0: Yeah, I thought Dugan played pretty well at nose, but you know, and, and I think the Dugan like again like. It's UMass. Like I hate to use that asterisk with everything we talk about, but we have to see that more. I think Julius Turner is a guy who, you know, from what I understand, like, you know, he battled a back injury, he had back surgery, I believe, in the off season. Didn't do much in the spring, was limited in the summer. I mean, that is something that you have, the Rutgers has to be careful with and kind of manage and monitor all season long. And that's tough to do when you're already kind of an undersized nose tackle in the Big Ten. You know, obviously we know Ron Johnson never showed up. You know, they don't have a lot of depth behind those guys. Willington Prevalon, I think, is a very serviceable player, but I don't think he's ever going to be a dominant player. And, you know, I just thought, you know, the the defensive ends, the Jacks did not play as well as I expected them to. Like uh, on on Friday night, and you know, I know UMass was trying to get rid of the ball quickly, but there were also some drops, and I didn't really see much of a pass rush. So I just think that defensive line—it's it, an issue, and I, I think that's why this is an acid test this weekend because this has always been about the line of scrimmages for Rutgers. Iowa is very good on both, and I think it could be a massive wake-up call for Rutgers that they've got a long way to go still
2: right right and we're going to see that this week uh, so yeah, interesting you're both kind of laughed at me saying the Big Ten is, is better than the SEC of course it's not but uh what did you th- I mean, looking at you know I was thinking mostly of of the the great Tennessee lost to Georgia State but uh what did you see you're, you know it's great to have finally have a Saturday off you can watch the other action I mean what teams impressed you what teams didn't impress you you mentioned Minnesota Sarge was not the uh, was not a good one. with Anything else that jumped out of you? Strictly from Big the Big
1: Ten, um, Michigan State looked good against Tulsa, but I don't know if they're—I don't know Big if they're—you yeah. know—the yeah. the the Four Horsemen uh, Notre Dame team that that crashed them. you know MVP <laughs> in, in top twenty-five. I'm not sure if they're that level good yet, <laughs> yes. so might have to prove themselves. Wisconsin, uh, Jonathan Taylor was a Big Ten Player of the Week, and you know, he you know that oh, he is. Spectacular. Heisman,
2: I think he's the Heisman and, favorite, right? And, and I mean, it got he,
1: lost okay. in the shuffle at Big Ten Media Day, but I, I spent 20 minutes with him, and he's really just such an articulate. Really, just seems like a great kid. Um, he, you know, he yeah. really belongs in New York Heisman Weekend. Um, again, you know, Rutgers fans will will always uh, think of him as the one, one the one who got away. He committed to Rutgers uh, back in the recruiting process, but um, he's someone to root for. You know, it, it, he's just a really a spectacular That's player.
2: Yeah, Christy, do you change any of your top uh, top twenty five because of this weekend? Anything?
0: Uh, we don't. We're, we're voting obviously after the Notre Dame game. Uh, right, I yeah. will yeah. probably drop. I'm going to drop Michigan State. Um, I didn't think that the Big Ten really did much to impress. I mean, Michigan. You know, I think one thing you have to remember is you know, Middle Tennessee is not a bad football team. Michigan yeah. was kind of lackluster. You know, Northwestern looked really bad, losing at Stanford. I mean, that's not a fan loss, yeah. but it's still Stanford. Nebraska did not impress against South Alabama. I mean, I think Wisconsin was probably the most impressive team of the weekend. I think they'll probably climb into my top 25 this week. Um, Missouri will come out, and I, I think I'm still debating whether or not I, I take Army out. You know, on one hand, losing only beating Rice 14 to 7 is tough, but the other hand, I do think they've got a chance to be competitive with Michigan this weekend in the Big House. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I thought it was not a terribly impressive. You know, Ohio State jumped all over FAU and then kind of let them score a lot of points down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, Penn State and Maryland just shamelessly ran up the score on punching bag opponents. You well, know. What about
2: the Maryland and Illinois, the two teams? I guess I know they're playing punching bags, but two teams that you would no, think
0: I would say Illinois, Illinois was very impressive to me. 42-3 yeah, yeah. against an Akron team that's, that it was kind of 6-6, six and six, just 6-6-ish six and six-ish last year. Yeah. That was pretty good. You know, that, that's a team that usually Illinois has been taking into the third quarter recently. Right, right.
2: All right, good rundown, guys. Let's jump to the next segment, which we have not had in a while. Mean <laughs> Tweets is back, and I mean it, Mean Tweets is back with authority. So last season, I mean, we stopped doing this because, you know, I think with Rutgers fans, you just couldn't be mean enough. They were so angry about the team. So I'd write a column where I thought I was killing them, and they'd be like, good column, but you didn't go far enough, right? Uh, and, yeah, so we kind of just backed off the Mean Tweets. Rutgers fans got frisky uh, during this game. You know, think forty-one.
0: Lots of
2: It was lots. It was pretty cool. I was, I was really happy to see. You're hey, it. an ass man. Right? They got. They got in my. So I tweeted in the first twenty-one-seven. I put out a tweet there that said something like, you know, you know, Rutgers fans are seeing a team that you know, overcoming its talent deficiencies with smart coaching. You know, great play calling and aggressiveness, something like that. And they're also seeing Rutgers. And so by the third, by the second quarter, fans are like, oh. This didn't, this didn't hold up. So, uh, I, I had a good interaction with one of my, one of my, a guy on Twitter. I, I've interacted with a bunch named Jersey Jay and he, he saw my column, which of course I praised how well they played. And he goes, what a change. Of course, from your first quarter tweet last night. And I was like, well, Jay, I mean, you know, I never understand why people don't understand that real time game tweets reflect what's going on at the time. I mean, it changed. It, It was a game. And he replied, (laughs) because tools like you take any opportunity you can to take a dig. (laughs) But then it gets better. So I'm like, Jay, a tool? I mean, we've had a nice back and forth over the years. To which he added, We have it doesn't mean I never thought you were a tool from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. So I thought that was, you know, that was gonna be it for for me and mean tweets until You know, I made the mistake of (laughs) going at Clay Travis on, I don't know if you guys, if you guys saw this unfold in real time. Oh
0: no, I missed this one, Steve.
2: Screaming, screaming screaming no at the top of your lungs. It was was sort of like, you know, wearing an I'm with her t-shirt at at a Trump, at a Trump rally. I mean, I kind of, I kind of should have expected it, but I tweeted at him because obviously Clay Travis, you know, scumbag that he is, went after, went after Greg Ciano and and just, you know, just an awful set of – a mob of angry people at him when he got the tw- – when he was going to get the Tennessee job, really turned that thing. I mean, it was an ugly situation uh against a, a guy the three of us know who, you know, has his faults as a football coach, but certainly not as a human being. Uh So I was – as Tennessee was, was losing, I was – you know, I found myself aggressively rooting against them. And I'm like, I don't – why do I care about this game so much? And it dawned on me I didn't care about Tennessee lost. I wanted – Clay Travis to look like an idiot. So I tweeted at him about that and he replied, Steve, I make millions of dollars a year and you're an old bald man who lives in New Jersey. Don't blame you. I'd hate me too. Which
1: I is will say good, this. I will say this. Point. So I, there's nothing I agree with on uh, Clay Travis. I don't want to get into a political uh, discussion, but I, I don't, I don't agree with him on anything that he, he you know, that he believes in. That being said, that's okay. a great line. That's a <laughs>
2: <laughs> being said you are an old bald man who lives in new jersey that doesn't make seven figures." but these, but guys these are three things i've come i've come to grips with at this stage of my life that i'm bald i live in new jersey and i'm i'm not making a billion dollars a year i've i've, I've kind of had i've kind of had to you know come to, accept that at this point of my life but yeah, my favorite
0: part of this whole whole thing was then one of those like that Rutgers face football Facebook page, somehow like your tweet or his, Clay Travis's tweet about you got on there, and then like people started ripping you, Steve. And someone like one one of the things they said was like you're just a North Carolina boy who shouldn't be covering like Rutgers. And I I almost responded. I, I guess you missed the uh, the big you know heralded story about. Steve's childhood in Nutley, North Carolina last week. <laughs> that, uh, you know, I was all over the place, you know. I mean, it's just, oh my God. I will say this though. I, I, I don't have a list of them, but man, we got a lot of tweets after we kind of pushed back against Rutgers' little media, media blackout last week. It's and true. And, I mean, yeah. a quarterback, you know, it amazes me. It absolutely amazes me how fans can be so frustrated with this team. So frustrated with the coach, and then the minute the media gets involved, it's just it's it's like rally the troops, you know, circle the wagons, like it's it's just, you know, if you if you feel the need to have an anti-media, you know, jag before the first so game. Guys, this, just ahead. on the yeah. fan
1: uh, topic, records down fourteen, nothing, and there was calls for for Chris Ash um, and you know Chancellor uh, Greg Gianno, Um yes. you know when.
0: Some of the true believers were calling for oh, it. At after that, after that point, that and I, the reason
1: why I bring this up is I was talking to a Rutgers official. I don't want to name who, um, who was so upset by it. And it just, look, you talk about like different points of view and whatever. And uh, you know, the reason why I bring this up is fans are going to be fans and they're going to do what they want. But, just, uh, you know, to, 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 uh, add some, uh, color and levity to, to, to the whole situation, some inside information. Rutgers officials were really bothered by, by that reaction for, you know, and again, fans are gonna, uh, you know, they pay, uh, you know, for the most part, they pay, pay money and, uh, they had their right to be vocal. But, uh, just so you know, fans out there who, you know, if you're out there, you know, it bothered Rutgers, uh, officials that, you know,
2: it should though. It was the react- it was the deserved reaction at twenty one seven. All about you know the way the team I I'm not saying that they should I'm just game. saying
1: that from the standpoint of uh you know, it, it, you know, you were heard and it bothered, you know, people inside records.
2: Yeah. It fa- it is it is sort of fascinating, but yeah, it's it's, uh, it's good. I mean I I think fans should it should should have come out of that one. They have they've hadn't had the opportunity to have that sort of spirited feel in a while, so hey, we can take it on Twitter. We're uh We're professionals. All right. Questions from Rutgers Insider. We haven't mentioned it yet, but at this point, I mean, we had, I thought, really the true power of the Rutgers Insider, nj.com slash text to sign up, was really during the game, you know, because it cut out all the Twitter nonsense. It was just, you know, us interacting with people on there, giving facts and observations without any of the noise that you get on Twitter. So I hope if you're a subscriber, you enjoyed that. And if you're not, you'll give it a look-see. Uh, we've got a lot of discounts. What is the discount, crash? You, you know these things that are maybe half off the first month at this point.
0: I think, yes, podcast, the promo code, podcast, nj.com slash text. Join okay. us. All right,
2: so here are the questions. Uh, <clears throat> the first one, and this is interesting, has come up a bunch, and I don't know if we've nailed it down, if you guys have nailed it down without me knowing. Was there a team vote for the quarterback position? It's, this is kind of, kind of a weird thing. I've never heard of anything like that before where a team would vote for a position. I mean, the coach makes $10 million for a so reason. So I asked I know?
1: Zach Vineski. It was something that came up in Chris Ashton's press conference after the game um, where he kind of alluded to it. Yeah. I asked Vineski, and he – and, he, and Vineski is a really colorful kid, good quote, uh, but he did not answer point blank, and I did ask him. Um, you could probably, probably understood understand why. Uh, you know, I think he's still he's, uh, so friendly with Art, but – the the vibe I got was uh, Chris Ash. It was his decision ultimately, but I, I think he did have inf- input from the team.
2: Well, how does that work then? I don't. I mean, again, do they ask him privately? Certainly, they they got to take a vote in front of our. No, uh,
1: the what way it works in general thing? is, you know, you know, if if Chris Ash has relationships with the, you know the upperclassmen, the guys who are you know a part of the leadership, he would probably bring them in one on one just to ask their, for 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 their two cents on the situation. Look, we we talked about during training camp, uh, especially late, there was a bounce in the step of the offense whenever Car- uh, McLean Carter would get into the game. It just seemed like they're they're you know they were they were more lively and. And, and they just moved the ball. I mean, we saw it late in training camp, Cratch and I, and we talked about it here on this podcast. So, but whether it was from the actions right, or just right. from you know, meeting with some players individually, I don't think there was a team vote, though, so to speak, in the Hale Center, where, where you know, uh, you know, that yeah. that wouldn't be fair to Art.
2: All right, Cratch, this one for you. So you. You you broke it down a little bit, but were there any freshmen who played better or worse than expected? First of all, how many played? That would be a good place to start. What do we have number wise?
0: Yeah, so uh, we had. Let me just pull this up, actually. Um, pull up the project text uh, and, you know, Rutgers <laughs> Sports Insider Messaging. We'll find it because I sent it out early during the game. After the game, excuse me. Um, and well, obviously, we'll do the redshirt tracker as the season goes on, but it's always going to come first to the project mm-hmm. text subscribers. All right, so uh, K Ron Adams, Aaron Young, two running backs played, uh, cornerback Donald Williams. Uh, linebacker Mohamed Teray, wide receiver Isaiah Washington, who got a lot of action, uh, tight end Cooper Heisey, Brian Ugwu, the linebacker from Hillside, also snuck in on special teams, I think, sometime in the first half. Of those players, I tend to think Aaron Young is definitely not going to redshirt. I still think Karon Adams will redshirt because you've so you got Blackshirt, you have Pacheco, you have Aaron Young, you also have Elijah Barnwell, who played. Um less sure about – I think Ture is going to play this year. I think he'll be a special teamer. Same with Washington. Williams, I, I think, is kind of a toss-up, whether he'll redshirt. And then Cooper Heisey, I think, is going to have to play, given the lack of depth they have at tight end. So, But any freshman who did not play in the game, I would expect a redshirt. And as for the, how they all performed, I mean, no one really stood out. I mean, their opportunities are pretty limited as it is. I think Aaron Young showed a nice little burst on a run. But other than that, nothing really popped out. <clears throat> Another good
2: question. How can we prevent the long runs? Is it the line or linebackers missing assignments? Uh, it's a problem last year, Sarge, problem again early in the, in the first quarter. What is the, what is yeah, the deal? Yeah, generally how, how it's, uh,
1: it's a lot of issues. Everyone will point to the defensive line. You know, that's generally the undersized uh, defensive line that, you know, is, is the, the, the target. But it is, uh, you know, not to quote quote, uh, chris ash but he would be the first one to tell you it's uh you know it's gap assignments and it's linebackers um and again sometimes it's just getting beat you know off the ball so there's a lot of issues how do they prevent it um Cratch is right. I like. I, I don't see them all of a sudden replacing guys. One thing that he brought up before Cratch brought up was, you know the the issue at Sam. And one interesting thing to note, and they moved uh, Malik Dixon, to, to strong safety, and he had a good game, had that one big pop at strong safety. It looks like he's, you know, kind of cemented himself there. But if if Tyreek Maddox Williams, if he continues to, to struggle the way he did, at least in pass coverage, you know, could they move, you know, Malik Dixon, you know? Up, up a level, so to speak, moving back to Sam. That's where he was playing, you know, a year ago at this time. Um, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. But, and you know, I don't think they're all of a sudden going, going to uh, make a trade for, for uh, Alabama, you know, defensive linemen. I don't think they're, they're going to be able to do that at this point.
2: Right. All right. Another another good, good one, and, and the answer really wasn't clear to me. From watching the game, are the receivers doing a better job getting sec- separation? Bo Melton's the one I'm thinking of. We talked about the touchdown pass where he looked like it was just the only place the ball could have been thrown and a great catch. What are you seeing overall, Kratz? Do you think Do you think these guys are are getting open?
0: Uh Yes and no. From what I saw, I didn't see any, you know, I will say this. There were a couple of guys who were wide open down the field. I don't know if it was separation, busted coverage. Rutgers just didn't get the ball to them for whatever reason. I thought Bode got a little bit more separation than everyone else. Um, but I also think what I saw was it's not something. I think there's a difference between how we define Are we talking about the, like, physical separation where a guy's speed gets him past the coverage? Or I think Rutgers did a better job of this than they did last year in, in this game. They seemed to have routes, more route concepts that were getting guys open based on the scheme. You know, I think there was a couple times where, you know, Mojabi kind of was wide open in the flat, you know, because they kind of cut the route short a little bit and they and they dragged maybe the guy over the top the other way. I think that was something I saw more of. But straight physical, just outrunning your guy, didn't see a whole heck of a lot of that. If you, you talk about the play that touched on catch with Melton. He was pretty covered. I mean, the ball was just right in the perfect spot.
2: Yeah. And I, and it's funny. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, maybe you can address this. The, the idea that I thought we were going to see a lot of more of the younger receivers were talking to camp about guys who were going to be, you know, that we, we thought were physically better, who were going to get out in the field more. Yeah. It didn't really happen. So one
1: guy who I kind of hyped up a, a lot had, had his chances. Um, it might've been McClane Carter's best throw of the night, believe it or not, where he threw, um, uh, uh in the corner, of the back corner of the end zone to Davon Robinson, put him in a perfect uh, spot. And, uh, if you look at the replay, Davon Robinson just dropped it. Um, you know, that's the yeah. type of play where as someone inside the program told me, that's a play that Bo Melton would have dropped a year ago and now he's catching it. So, um, Again, I don't think that we're going to have to wait a year to see Davon Robinson em- emerge. The point is, you know, he's getting separation, which he likes. I think there's going to be some opportunities for a guy like him. Same thing with Isaiah Washington. Um, you know, I think that play, you know, where where it was the interception we kind of alluded to earlier, I think we might see them go back to the well. They they There is the a feeling inside the program that Isaiah Washington could be a big play threat this se- this season.
2: All right, let's go to predictions. And, and and Sarge, I loved I loved your question at the press conference today when you're like you're trying to get Chris asked uh, any sentimental thoughts about going back to Iowa. You were born there, raised there, your home state. No,
0: <laughs> it's just well, perfect. Well, I'll tell you one better. Sentimentalist.
2: So, I think we can yeah. know that at this point.
0: <laughs> In Chicago at Big Ten Media Day, it's like when things were kind of winding down. It was just me and Chris at his little table. I said, you know, Chris we're going to have to write about you going back to Iowa in a couple of weeks. I said, as a joke, I'm like, do you have any like great Iowa caucus story you can give me that I can write about or something? <laughs> this is like, it's like, I don't have any. And I'm like, like really, and then Chris goes. He goes, James. Like I've played road games. Okay, so let's
1: uh, <laughs> just. Okay, so he oh, just uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Grew up in Atumwa, which is about an hour away from 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 Iowa City. Uh, he did say that he was an Iowa fan growing up. I did some research. There was a Q and A with Steve Sereby of the New York Post uh, about a year and a half ago, in which he you know. Yeah, in which he asked uh, you know, a few questions about his native Iowa. Uh, in that Q&A, Chris Ash talked about this hamburger place called Canteen. The, the quote was, that was kind of a big deal to be able to go to and get a canteen. It's a loose meat sandwich place. It was steamed, greasy, and very good, end quote. So I went to look it up, okay, guys? And if we want to make a road trip, it's only an hour away. Um, it is... Home to a world championship canteen eating contest June 1st. So we missed that. June, uh, Politi might be able to put it on his calendar for 2020. But um, it's loose meat. I know that's basically Politi's fa- uh, yep. favorite thing. So, you know, there might be something that we might want to do Friday night.
0: Here's the thing, Sarge. I have looked at this on Google Maps, MapQuest, Apple Maps, everything. Autumna might be 65 miles away as the crow flies from Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. It's a two-hour drive. I don't know if there's construction on the interstate. It's a two-hour drive. So as much as I'm sure that Steve loves loose meat sandwiches, <laughs> I don't think we're going to drive two hours.
2: to get there for two I mean, hours. I mean, yeah, let's, have,
0: let's, have you seen Kaliddy Drive? I mean, <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> that's kind of a hard good hard of Kaliddy, so.
2: Okay, well, let's go right to predictions then, shall we? Uh, Another thing about the game that struck me as, as, as weird, the line is 20 points. Is that right? 20 points? That seems like a lot, doesn't it? It is. <laughs> it is a lot, right?
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot because Iowa, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, they, you know, they're not a team that really is going to be so far superior offensively you know, with, with athletes that, that you know, they're just going to blow Rutgers away. I mean, we've seen this formula of like Washington, you know, and, and those o- openers where they just were so uh, far superior athletically, and they just had so many weapons. Ohio State comes to mind as well. I don't, I don't really think that I was going to, going to just you know run Rutgers out the building,
2: right? And that, that's kind of where I'm standing. Right, I'll start with my prediction first. You know, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I liked what I saw again. Like we talked earlier in the podcast, uh. You know, I still think this will be a come-to-down-to-earth uh, kind of game. I don't think they're going to get blown out, though. If I had to pick a score, I'm going to go with something like Iowa 26, Rutgers 10, <laughs> So within that 20-point range. Uh, but uh, still, yeah, another uh, double-digit loss in the road. What, what do you got, Cratch?
0: Similar score. I'm going to go 28-13 Iowa. I think it's going to be one of those games where throughout the game, at the end of the t- day, you look at the scoreboard, it doesn't look too bad, but – in the span of the game, never once did you think Rutgers could seriously have a chance to win a game. Right. One of those games, it looks close, it looks okay, but Iowa dominates from start to finish. Yeah, I'm going
1: to I'm gonna go close. I'm going to go 21-17, Iowa, um, and I, I just kind of, I think Cratch is right. I think it's going to be like Northwestern a year ago. Northwestern won 18-15. It was close, but um, if you remember, Northwestern held the ball for the final six minutes, and you know, they just completely wore Rutgers down, and they knelt the ball on a five-yard line to end the game. So it was a little deceiving. I think McNulty's going to have enough weapons in the backfield where he can execute an efficient game plan. You know, He's going to be able to control the tempo a little bit. I think Carter will settle down, maybe not throw as many picks, but ultimately I, I can't see Rutgers winning this game.
2: It is interesting that we ball, we have Iowa all scoring in the twenties, so that's, that would be certainly, I think, given the way the defense has performed at times last year, that would be a victory uh, for uh, for the Scarlet Knights if they can hold them in the twenties. But uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine Rucker scoring uh, scoring enough points to win this game. But we'll be there. We'll be in Cedar Rapids. we Iowa City Iowa,
0: me. City. Iowa City. Iowa
2: City. We're staying in Cedar Rapids. Flying into Cedar Rapids. I'm sure that airport will be. Uh, you know it'll be interesting to see <laughs> connecting through Chicago. If you guys are out there and Cedar Rapids, hey, try, try to find us. We'll be we'll be at the most expensive steakhouse that I can find. <laughs> Anything else? Anything else to add, guys? <laughs> oh, no, we're good. We're good. All right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. NJ.com slash text, of course. And we'll be back next week to recap what happens in Iowa. Thanks.